All right, guys, welcome to the State of the Lakers post-game space. This is going to be event sesh for all of you guys. Um, it has been a rough week, to say the least. You probably couldn't script a worse string of events to happen to a team with championship aspirations in such a short period of time. Um, but that's what we're here for, so that you guys can get it all off your chest, and uh, maybe we can find some silver linings. I don't know. I'll try. I don't know about you, Raj. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's what we're here for, to look for the silver linings, I guess. There's not that many, but uh, yeah, we can try to find some, I guess. So immediately off the bat, uh, one of the things I noticed with that game was the Lakers were just not quite as sharp defensively. Um, the, the, the Clippers are a really good jump shooting team. In fact, I, I'm not sure exactly the best way to measure this because there's so many different types of jump shooting, but I think, mm-hmm. they're, the, I think they're the very best off the dribble jump shooting team in the league. And then they're one of the best uh, catch and shoot jump shooting teams in the league, if I remember correctly, and just all sorts of open shots all over the floor. I remember at one point I even tweeted about it and then immediately out of the timeout, they gave up back to back wide open threes. Um, uh, uh, just, just right out of the timeout after whatever it was that they talked about. And I think it was just one of those things where I think, I think that there was a little bit of lack of belief. I don't know if you felt that today, but it kind of For felt sure. like the Lakers didn't think they could win. And I think it kind of sucked the wind out of their sails a little bit when it came to like the, the sharpness and the extra effort plays and stuff. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the Clippers make it tough. I think they're like the best shooting team ever by like percentage. I think just as a full team, they have a bunch of dudes uh, who take high volume and hit them at 40%. Um, and like just our plan wasn't right. Like they were having AD post up against Marquise Morris with uh, Andre Drummond, uh, also in the game, right? And there's just no room for AD to drive. And they're, they're loading that strong side and just daring our shooters to make shots. And, like, my problem with this game, I guess we can kind of get into it. I, I have no issue with being down. Like, we have no shot creation. And we talk about this all the time. The Clippers are a team that ball pressure you, that make it really tough. Um, you saw you saw the first catch for AD was at half court, which I thought was kind of ominous of how the game mm-hmm. was, was going to go, right? Marquise Morris was really um, denying the basketball, and he made AD catch it three feet behind the three-point line where he had to try to make a shot. And I just thought that was, like, a really bad sign early on. Uh, my issue was, like, just the unseriousness of, like, the lineups and just our approaches to this game. Like, there was no reason for Trez to be up against Cousins for that long. Like, and and just even though Trez couldn't even score him in on the other end, which is another issue, but Cousins bullied him down low. And then we were doing weird things. Like, they were trapping Kawhi at the top with, with, uh, AD, with AD on him, and it just led to easy kickouts. I thought... Cousins got in a rhythm early. Reggie Jackson got a bunch of wide open threes early that got him in a rhythm. And then by that time, the game was over. I think AD um, reactivated or he got back spasms in the middle of the second. That kind of ended the game. So that, that's my issue with this. It was a lot of unserious, a lot of lineups that like I don't think will play when it matters. Like we had Ben McLemore, Marquise Morris, Montrez Harrell out out there with no shot creation. That's like our worst defenders. I just it's it was a, it's a tough game. But uh, what did you see? What else did you see from tonight? Yeah, well, I 100% agree with you. Like it, that, that lineup with Trez was setting him up to fail. Uh, like it's, it's like a nightmare for all of his weaknesses kind of wrapped up into one. Like he can't, uh, he wasn't able to physically match up with the person that he had to box out on one end and the guy he had to guard in the post on the other end. It just, it just was a nightmare. But we've seen that all season with Montrez. That's not been his strength playing against mm-hmm. traditional centers. Where, where Montrez has a lot of success is playing against one of the more modern iterations of a basketball team where you have like a thin rim running five who does uh, who's primarily out there to screen and roll and to uh to play like kind of like a Clint Capella type of role that's where Montrez can have a lot of success 
in that type of matchup. But when you put him against the big bruising center, he's just going to get physically manhandled. I mean, the, the guy's literally as tall as I am. It's just not, it's just not a good, it's just not a good matchup for him. Um, I, th- I liked what you said about the ball pressure. That was immediately what stood out to me when, uh, when the game started, like uh, uh, Anthony Davis has a huge physical advantage against Marcus Morris, but he can never catch the ball within 15 feet of the rim. Right. He, th- there were a lot of times where, and you know, I, I tweeted this earlier and, and I, I know it's not the best night to try to have some sort of sweeping referendum about Anthony Davis's career, but he's, he's kind of limited as a primary initiator. He's not a great ball handler. He's great for what he is. He's great for a center, you know, but he's not, he's not a dude who's going to break the defense down off the dribble against a wing defender. That's just, that's just not, he's not sharp enough in that role. And then when he would get to the point where he had a little bit more of a, a decent positioning on the floor, the, the Clippers would load up the floor, which is partially Vogel's fault because he's playing Drummond and crushing his spacing. But, uh, you know, LeBron in that same position is going to have a little bit more success finding those little openings when they pop open and, and ADs, it's just not his strength. And, you know, he's, he's kind of more of a tip of the spear kind of guy. Like if you could put all the necessary pieces around him, he can elevate your ceiling through the, like, like to enormous heights. But this, this type of game tonight is never the type of game where he was going to have a great deal of success, which for the record, which was why I was okay. They took him out when he got banged up. Now we don't know if it was the ankle or the back spasms, that whole thing was weird. So he was like smirking and smiling and tying up his shoe. And you're like, oh, he just like kind of had a mild ankle sprain. Next thing you know, I mean, I don't know if it was when he tumbled over Kuzma or what happened. But, you know, for the fact that I just hope that they kind of saw the writing on the wall there, that that game was over and that there was really nothing to gain there and then just took him out for safety. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah, that's what I thought it was, too. I mean, he went he was in the locker room for quite a while. Right. I think almost that whole second quarter he was in the locker room and uh-huh. you know, TNT broadcast said they didn't know uh, what it was they try to do some things right like even with him he's not at 100 percent. you could tell like uh, he's not moving 100 percent. so him being out there with a guy like Drummond they try to make him put him in screen roll actions right as the ball handler and the Clippers are just too good like too good defensively for that and uh, they don't respect Drummond as a roller as all and Drummond had a pretty bad game as well and so you put him next to that and his jumper has to be going for it to work right I think he was two for nine tonight um, he had, I think he had like one jumper early, but other than that, mm-hmm. his jumper wasn't going. So like it was going to be a tough night for him, and he just wasn't ready. Um, but like just for some positive, I thought Marky, uh, sorry not Marky, uh, West Matthews, I thought had a really good game. Like he mm-hmm. he seemed really spry. Um, he looks mobile, team, yeah. He looks really mobile. Yeah, his defense was good. I remember in the beginning of the year he got cooked by Kawhi a few times. I thought he had a few good possessions on him, a few good possessions on uh, Paul George. Like, I thought they played him pretty well, as much, as well as you could. And then Kuzma, I thought Kuzma had a really good game. He was the only one that could really bring anything offensively, who was comfortable um, coming off screens and shooting and creating shots. So there's the silver lining for me. I thought our two wings, like our two wing guys who are going to play big minutes in the playoffs, I thought they played well. And then Mark came in and I thought had an immediate impact again. Like, he came in and you could just tell the floor opened up. He found, like, KCP on a cut right away, uh, Wes Matthews on a cut right away. I think they blow, both blew the layup but I thought he came in. So there's my silver linings, I guess, for tonight. Yeah, I, uh, uh, I really liked that lineup they started the second half with. Uh, I think it was Kuzma, Wes Matthews, Contavious Caldwell, Pope, Alex yeah. Caruso, and Drummond. And it was just because those four guys are really good defensive players, and Drummond can be good when he's, when he's paying attention properly. But the, the, it just goes to show you that when, when the Lakers play a traditional four-out, one-in, um, you know, uh, defense with a bunch of mobile guys that they can still be pretty, 
uh, successful. Mind you, the Clippers were probably floating through a little bit at that point. Um, what, what made me upset about the, the Marcus all minutes is, you know, like, like you said, he found a couple back cuts and then there was that play where Alex Crusoe drove and DeMarcus cousins was standing at the three point line. Cause he's guarding Marcus all and, and, and Crusoe gets all the way into the lane, gets an and one. Uh, mm-hmm. and it just, you can see the geometry of the floor change when he's out there. But then immediately after that, it was like, Markeith Morris telegraphed a swing pass to Marcus all that got stolen. And then like the very next possession, uh, Alex Crusoe ran like a pick and pop with Marcus all and Alex oh, yeah. Crusoe threw like a terrible pocket pass that just went right to the Clippers. And it was one of those things where like, even then I was like, Oh, like we can't even properly evaluate the Marcus all minutes because of how much of a shit show this is. Like <laughs> it was just that it was that kind of night where I, at that point, you know, that's when I read right around then in the middle of the, you know, around halftime is when I texted you and I was like, yeah, we might need to start early tonight. There's just not a whole lot to learn from this. Yeah, for sure. And the Clippers are like really long at every position, right? They have a bunch of wings and they were just uh, in all the passing lanes. And uh, some of those turnovers are on force, but like we have Caruso trying to throw like over the over the back passes back to Marcus All. And uh, people are saying he was slow. Like, yes, he is slow. But I mean, like, that's not really a pass for him to go get right way out of his like catch area. So like, it, I don't know. I, it feels like it feels like these aren't playoff level lineups yet. And that's, I guess, my issue. But I mean, that can also be looked as a silver lining, right? Like these aren't mm-hmm. the playoff level lineups that we're going to. And you could just tell, I mean, like THG got ruled out for tomorrow and Friday's game, for today and Friday's game. It just seems like if, if a player was going to miss tonight, they're going to miss tomorrow as well. Um, that's why I don't think like just, I don't believe AD is going to play tomorrow either. Mm-hmm. That's, that's right. just how it feels. They ruled LeBron out as well, right? For these two games. Um, and he's ruled out again, I think for Sunday too. So like just this like unseriousness of these games, which like I think that's the process that they're going with is just about getting healthy and I think that's the right look in some way it's just I feel like you you have to build some kind of reps here um going into the playoffs that Denver win was a big one uh it really got them I think some confidence and uh, but Mm -hmm. again tonight was just another game where I don't think we learn much right we're starting this space in the before the fourth quarter is even at eight minutes yet so like you could tell there's just nothing really to learn from these from these games and I think that's the issue that's my biggest issue with this I think for healthy we'll be fine uh, it's just that I, I'm not sure how much Vogel or any anyone's learning from like these Montrez at five with Marquise at the four minutes. Like it's just clear those don't work. Like you just can't defend at a high enough level with that. And we were doing that with like Ben McLemore on the floor. And I think that's the lineup out there right now as well, which is funny. But yeah, I just not sure what we can learn from here. Yeah. And, you know, they, they're prioritizing health and like it's basically just the lesser of two evils here. Like they're they, they have two options here. They can chase some sort of continuity even though Schroeder's out of the lineup and make LeBron play through pain. And I don't know, maybe like, well, like what's the difference going to be when they're in a playoff series between them getting three or four games of regular season reps, you know, with LeBron and AD together or getting six or seven. And I think, I think they're just looking at it and they're like, eh, it's not going to make that much of a difference. So let's just prioritize health, which is fine. It's just the lesser of two evils. And, you know, at the end of the day, like, there, there are things we can count on and there are things, there are things that we can't. Like, I, I can't count on what LeBron's going to look like physically. Like, I hope that he looks great, you know, realistically, maybe between 70 or 80 percent of his normal physical self. But we just we just don't know. But what we can count on is like they're going to defend better than they did tonight. Like, if you think about what a first round series between the Clippers and Lakers would look like, even if it was sloppy as all hell on the offensive end, like Frank and those guards and those wings and even 80% of LeBron and 70% AD or whatever it is, those guys are going to find a way um, because it's in their identity to make things tough on the Clippers a heck of a lot tougher than they did tonight. Like 
the Clippers were playing like easy breezy basketball tonight, a lot of wide open shots. And, and I, I do think that there, that there is a way that this team will go down fighting and it's going to be going down fighting on the defensive end by just mucking things up, turning it into a rock fight and just hoping that at some point in the seven game series, LeBron and AD can kind of get it clicking enough offensively to make enough plays to carry you through. Um, but at the end of the day, they need to be healthy. They need to be on the court to literally to even have a chance to do that. So, you know, at the, this is the best available strategy out of a list of really crappy strategies uh, that they had to choose from. So, I mean, it kind of it kind of is what it is at this point. Yeah, you weren't going to beat this Clipper team without any shot creation, right? There's just no Dennis Schroeder, no LeBron, um, even no THT tonight. There's just not enough uh, shot creation out there. They were just giving the ball to AD and have him try to shoot mid-range jumpers over uh, Marcus Morris and try to create that way. Um, a lot of drum and post-ups again tonight. So, it, like again, like the loss doesn't really matter to me. It's just about like where, what were we doing? What are we building towards? And it's just it's just tough to see that from this and. Uh, this is a team that we might play in the first round. You never know. Well, it's not really looking that way now, but it, it just feels like we didn't learn anything from the playoff, uh, from like a playoff matchup uh, view here. So I guess that's my own thing with this game. I would have liked to seen a little bit more. I, I would have liked to seen a game a little closer. Like it, it felt like when the Clippers started hitting threes, like you said, that belief went away, right? Like they they just mm-hmm. they, they just could tell. You could see it was in their body language. Exactly, and once once a few threes went down, um, I thought that stretch when like uh, when Trez was in, and uh, I think. They just went on like a 9-0 run, put the lead up to 13. And after that, the game was pretty much over. AD never came back in the game after that. So, uh, yeah, I think that was uh, pretty much it. Uh, do you have anything else from from this game tonight? Well, real quickly before you uh, uh, start taking guess on, um, mm-hmm. what, what, what's your opinion on the, uh, pre- like the prevailing thought that was going around Twitter today that the Lakers might be better off in the play-in? What was your thought when you saw that? So I I don't really uh, agree with that. Like, I think the Lakers would be um, favored, obviously, in any play-in matchup. I just think you're playing with fire when you're doing, like, a one-and-two one game kind of uh, uh, win-or-go-home kind of stuff. Like, like we talked about it before. In a best-of-seven series, like, the better team usually wins, right? Like, I feel like in those games, you never know what could happen. Um, and I think a lot of people want that play-in just to avoid the Clippers. I feel like you're kind of... Um, kind of burning yourself both ways there by doing that, right? Because then you have to lose mm-hmm. more, and then you're in this tournament with Steph and and Dame most likely, and just, just things you don't want to be a part of. So I think any team would like to rather just be in the playoffs, no matter who the matchup is. You can you can focus in on one team, right, for a huge for a long set of days instead of you know LeBron all of a sudden has to be right or AD has to be right for you know in a in a few weeks instead of having this time to kind of get themselves together for a full team. How about you? What do you what do you think about it? Yeah, I, I'm 100 percent with you. I think it's just, I think that is foolish thinking. Just just my personal opinion, and a couple a couple reasons why. First of all, of course you'd rather play the Nuggets if you could. Like the Nuggets are right. obviously the best of the available first round matchups, but they come with this coin flip that associates them with the Clippers. It's like you might play the Nuggets, but you might play the Clippers. Of course, I'd rather have the coin flip of Suns and Jazz because I like the Lakers more in both of those matchups than I like them against the, the, the Clippers. So if you're asking me whether or not I'd rather have the, that coin flip or the other coin flip, of course I would. But the play-in and everything that's associated with it should terrify you. And the reason why is, is basically everything that you saw from the bubble last year. Like when you have, you know, one subset of teams that is playing this like chaotic, frantic brand of basketball because they're trying to get into the play-in, kind of like Portland, Memphis, 
and Phoenix were last year in the bubble. Mm-hmm. And then you have, and then you have this other subset of teams in, in the bubble. It was teams like the Lakers and bucks who were kind of just messing around as they were working through the games. Or in this case, teams like the Lakers who are just flat out, not healthy. They're just like, this is not what the Lakers are going to look like when they're, when the chips are down. And so those two subsets are so different that when you put them in a setting where they have seven games to figure each other out, obviously the better teams are going to figure it out. But in that one game setting, like, you know, who's got really good habits right now on the defensive end. And you know, who's got a really good offensive rhythm right now, the warriors, because they've been healthy for the most part, aside from a few unfortunate things, but they've been mostly healthy and they've been playing like their lives depend on it every single night. And so that is a team even though they're not as good a team as the Lakers by a significant margin, they're, they're playing a, a brand of basketball that translates into that environment really well. And, and there's just so much variance that goes into that, you know, like a, a, a game where LeBron and AD can't make jump shots or whatever it is. And then all of a sudden, if you lose that first playing game, you're in a, a situation where there's just an unbelievable amount of pressure that comes on, which may not have an impact on someone like LeBron, but it's definitely going to have an impact on the, on the lower players on the roster. Cause they freak out a little bit. And it's like, it's just one of those things where all of the potential pitfalls that come with the plan, you have to avoid at all costs. So here's the thing, they might end up in the plan and it, it may be something they just have to deal with, but this idea that they should actively seek that out, I think is, 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 is a recipe for disaster. And it's a risk. Like it's like you said earlier, it's a risk that they just don't need to be taking right now. Yeah. And just like to your point with that, if you remember last year, like I don't think any of us thought that Portland would beat the Lakers in a seven game series, but they walked in then into that game one in a full rhythm, right? Like they were playing games that mattered in a consistent basis for weeks before they walked in there and the Lakers were just starting to like wake themselves up, right? They, they weren't playing any games that matter for a while. And you could just tell the difference in rhythm and the Lakers went super cold, which they can do. It's not like they have all these super elite shooters on the team. Like you can go cold for one game. Um, and then, uh, I think Portland won that first game. So, uh, that's a thing that can happen. And that's why I just like, if you get in the play and just organically, like and you lose the games and you're resting players then that's fine. But just going after it, I think is a totally different kind of thing. Uh, actively losing to get into this to avoid a team just feel like the wrong thought process especially for the defending champions right like they should not be losing to avoid a team like that i don't think that and i don't think they are like I, in my opinion they just, just the so way that they're, yeah, yeah just the way that they're acting doesn't feel like they they fear any of these teams in any kind of different different manner even though we as fans probably put clippers um in a different kind of tier than like utah um denver and and the suns i feel like the lakers kind of just see all those teams in the same way Mm-hmm. Um, should I start? Should I start bringing some people up? Yeah, go for it, man. All right, let's start with. So, uh, get your request in. We're gonna try to get to um, as many people as we as we can tonight. Let's start with uh, Jake. Hey, can you hear me? What's, what's going on, man? What's hey, up, Jake? What's up, Raj? How's it going? How you doing? Good. How are you? Not too bad. How are you fellas doing? We're doing good, man. man. Okay. So, I mean, I think everyone can agree realistically, this is kind of a carbon copy of every single LeBron season from the past decade where people kind of freak out either at the beginning or the end of the regular season. And they see trends that kind of destroy them from thinking that whatever team he's on is going to have playoff success, but Nevertheless, he always ends to show up. So I guess my question is, if there is 
hypothetically a series with the Clippers, would you see Vogel going with Gasol mostly, or would you see him going with Drummond mostly to kind of clog up the paint, knowing how playoff basketball is just it's a different environment because I know that Drummond's getting a lot of hate right now and some of it is warranted, but at the same time, simultaneously, I think that in the playoffs, he can be an advantage for the Lakers because he can take up that space in the paint and take away opportunities for wings to just get in there easily and get easy buckets. You want to go first, Rush? Uh, yeah, sure. So uh, I've said all along, like, I feel like Drummond is really matchup uh, dependent. Like, I, I've kind of compared him to, like, JaVale from last year. And that's how I maybe that's just wishful thinking. That's just how I see it going. And in the playoff series versus the Clippers, like, I, I'm just not sure how much Drummond can play if he's going to start. I just think Zubac is a really tough matchup for him. We, we saw it tonight. He had really no impact um, in mm-hmm. that first half. Uh, and they don't re- respect him on the roll at all, and they're just too good. They have too many good help defenders there. Uh, makes it real, makes life really tough for Anthony Davis um, if he's trying to get any room. And, and just imagine if it's LeBron, AD, and Drummond against the Clippers. I think that's just a really tough matchup. Yeah. Uh, I would like a, I would like a Saul out there to bring a little bit more uh, spacing and just smarts out there. And I think he can bring Zubac out of the paint, and it really opens up driving lanes for a guy like LeBron. And in that series, I think that's an AD at the five series anyway. I think Gasol is going to play, but that's an 80 at the five series for me. What about you, Jason? Yeah. So first of all, Jake, respectfully, I disagree. This isn't like any LeBron season that I can remember watching. And the reason why is like, if the Lakers were playing crap basketball, but they were healthy, I would be the first guy screaming from the mountaintops to stop worrying. Cause I've seen that plenty with LeBron James teams. And I, and I know the difference between a team that's not trying and a team that, you know, lacks the personality and a job done. Um, uh, that's the, the difference is it's just, they're, they're literally not healthy and they have almost no continuity. That's the, that's what kind of makes it super fuzzy. And there have been, you know, LeBron teams that have had injuries in the past, whether it's Kevin Love being out for a little while or, or Kyrie Irving when he had his, his fractured kneecap and, you know, D Wade missed a bunch of time in 2014, but the gist of the team, the primary engine, which was LeBron James doing LeBron stuff and then a ton of shooting and defense and all that stuff. That that has been missing for the you know what is that 20, 22 of the last twenty four games. So it's just I, I do think that there's a, a, a distinct difference there. That doesn't mean you should necessarily panic, no, but I don't yeah. think I don't think that I don't think that we should be sitting here with, with our chest puffed out, acting like everything's fine because it's definitely not. Um, as far as the, the the Gasol stuff goes, we should take last year as a cue. Um, he did eventually go away from McGee and he did eventually play a lot of Caruso he eventually started him in game six of the NBA finals, but he has a tendency to stick with it a little bit longer than the fan base is comfortable with. So my guess is let's say you're in a Clipper series and Drummond's playing a lot and it looks ugly and there's obvious signs like this all should be playing. I do believe Frank will eventually make the move. I just don't think he'll make it right away. I think he'll make a sweat a little bit, um, but Frank has shown that he's not afraid to make an adjustment. I mean, even in this game tonight, he waited until Montrez got bullied into, you know, like literally into oblivion, but he did eventually make the adjustment. So yeah. I do, I do think, I do think that the adjustment will be made. I just, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was, you know, game three, game four of a playoff series. As much as I love Schroeder, do you see the Lakers going with Gasol a lot more in the playoffs just for playmaking purposes? Just instead of shooter? Well, no, not instead of shooter, just because of their lack of a true point guard. 
I mean, I, I mean, Rondo last year, I mean, I'm not saying he was like point God, but at the same time, he at least was able to kind of facilitate. And I can't say – I'm not saying Schroeder can't facilitate because he can, but he does typically kind of go for like that pick and roll, like either I'm going to make a move or I'm going to score first. So I'm just curious, do you think that Vogel would go with Gasol more just for playmaking purposes because we know that Gasol can kind of play from the top of the key and pass it? I think in general, uh, kind of similar to the chemistry that Rondo and LeBron had last year, even in, you know, it was really ugly for the most part during the regular season when LeBron and Rondo were on the floor together because it was very, you know, uh, it was very, uh, it just, they, they were redundant in what they brought to the table. But like, you know, with Marcus Saul, it unlocks a lot of LeBron's off ball stuff, uh, which I think, you know, he used a lot with Dwayne Wade, uh, but didn't use a lot in Cleveland. And, and that Rondo unlocked a lot, especially in the NBA finals. If you watch, there's a lot of really good clips of Rondo and LeBron playing off of each other pretty well. I, I definitely think that, that, uh, that Marcus all brings that, but my guess is this, the, the decision is going to be really simple. I think he'll play Gasol as a matter of spacing. I think that, yeah. I think against, yeah. uh, I think against the Clippers and against any, uh, uh defense that's going to load up a side as they post up LeBron or post up Anthony Davis. I think eventually, just after incessant film, they're going to look at the tape and see the obvious fact that the driving lanes aren't there and they're going to have to make an adjustment. I think that's going to be what ends up being the driving force behind the decision. Yeah. And we forget, man, that starting lineup with like Gasol was like, I think Gasol and AD was like 21 and six before AD yeah. went out and they were like Super the number one team. Yeah, they were really great. So hopefully they, they get back to that along with Schroeder, but they didn't really get the reps this this uh, this year. Jake, uh, I appreciate you coming up. Uh, Thanks, Jake. Appreciate you guys. Let's go with it. Yo, Joe, are you there? Are you there? Hey, yeah. Uh, appreciate you guys uh, allowing me to answer, ask the question. Hey, um, Joe, what's up, man? Hey, nothing much, man. Nothing much. Just real quick, you know, I understand, you know, with all the injuries and everything, but man, every time it seems like every time the Lakers, this iteration of the Lakers, when they play the Clippers, they just seem tentative in terms of body language and overall. It just they just don't like have that Vogel swag. Uh, you know, Wes <laughs> Matthews looked like he came to compete. Kuzma. Uh, Macklemore, but other than that, everybody else just seemed, even with AD, they just seem tentative when playing the Clippers. I don't understand it. It's almost like they're kind of intimidated. I, I just need to know if anybody else sees that. I see that every time they play the Clippers. Go ahead, Raj. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I feel like the, the, take, the Clippers really take it at them, right? Like Kawhi and PG really do. We saw it at ring night as well. Um, it felt like there was a lot more like heat on this matchup last year, right? Before both teams kind of got their rings, and we saw that in in the March in the March game before uh, COVID kind of shut the season down, and we also saw it that first game in the bubble where both teams were really hard from at each other. But after that, um, it, it really feels like the intensity of these games just have not have not been at a playoff level or the or the level like the hype should be with these two teams. And the stars have been out, right? I think we've had three games where all four of the uh, the all stars have played. Um, in this matchup, all think all those things go together, and uh, I think that's why. Hopefully, we get a playoff series of this. I think it'll be different. I think both teams will be going uh, full throttle. 
Uh, I'm not saying the Lakers would absolutely win, but it just feels like tonight they just did not uh, go out, go at their full full uh, full potential here. And uh, I, I don't know if it's like they're going soft on the Clippers. I don't think so. The Clippers are a really good team. Like they create good shots. Um, they have two really star wings who who uh, give the Lakers problems. I don't think that's an accident that uh, Kawhi and PG um, kind of play well. So like that's how I see it. How about you, Jason? Yeah, so, like, this kind of was a topic of conversation in the last couple of days just surrounding this quote-unquote rivalry rivalry between these two teams. The, mm-hmm. There has been no rivalry because it's been destroyed by circumstance. The games that uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, there's only been, what, four games that all four played in or three games that all four played in. And it was basically the Christmas Day game where the Lakers basically – were the better team for 46 minutes and then blew it at the end. And then, uh, then there was the game right before the end of the, the, uh, right before the, the COVID shutdown where LeBron went crazy and, uh, and they beat him. And then there was the game to start the bubble where the Lakers beat him. And then there was trophy night. That was basically the, those are basically the, the, the healthy iterations of this matchup. It's been all destroyed by COVID and injuries and all this stuff. I did at one point after the Christmas matchup, think that maybe there was a little bit of a mental advantage that the Clippers had. I used to tweet a lot about it for those of you who followed me back then, but I, I thought that LeBron resoundingly ended that with the, with the takedown right before the COVID shutdown. Like that was a pretty uh, a demonstrative uh, win for the Lakers, you know, to cap off a game where they had just beaten the bucks too. Um, you know, so I, I don't, I don't think there's any mental advantage to Roger's point. There's just a bad matchup for the Lakers in the sense that even though that even though the Lakers are a better team and have pretty consistently showed that over the last two years, with the exception of injuries, that even even in spite of that, the Clippers are going to always compete with them because they present matchup advantages, and that's why I've always said that they're the team that's most likely to beat the Lakers. But it won't be because of some you know mental advantage, in my opinion. I, the, the Lakers have had enough success against this team. Uh, uh, in their matchups that there's no reason for them to be scared. It's not like some Clippers Warriors thing like you used to see when the Warriors were at their peak and the Clippers used to just get blown out every time they play. <laughs> okay. Also one more question. Um, do you guys see them if they, if they do in fact play the uh, Clippers, will West be used a lot more in that series you think in terms of, cause he just seems to be very active on defense. I know his shot is inconsistent, but I just like his approach when, especially when um, Bobby and up with Kawhi and PG. I think he's going to play a ton in that matchup. I think that that's the matchup for West Matthews. And I think, I think you'll see plenty of him. And I think that Vogel knows that. Yeah, okay. for sure. I agree. Hey, man. All right. Hey, thanks man. guys. Thank thanks you, Joe. Joe. Appreciate you, man. Ryan, are you there? Yeah, I'm there, buddy. How you doing, What's, guys? Good. Hey, How are you doing? Good, good, good. Hey, I'm just going to piggyback on Joe. And then, like, you know, basically I see, like, you know, the last two years of playing, you know, the Clippers. You guys hear me? I'm sorry. Yeah, we can yeah, hear, hear you. Go ahead. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Sorry. Yeah, the last two years of playing the Clippers, I mean, you know, we did play, in my opinion, we played timid, you know, the first few games. Like, the first year when PG was out, we should have won that, guaranteed, you know. And then we really showed up in the last two games. I loved it. But, you know, it seems like 
you know, the Clippers do have a matchup problem with us, but I mean, you know, with us, I mean, I'm not sure if you guys agree with me or not, but then, you know, we just got to beat them up inside. I just don't feel that they have the bigs to compete against us. But then again, Drummond right now just got to figure out his role with the team. He needs to just play with a role, man. It seems like every time Anthony Davis got the ball, he's trying to get get a post up. It's like, man, get the hell out of the way. <laughs> It's the trade-off the Lakers have made. I mean, you know, I talk about this a lot with Warriors Twitter uh, because they're always so frustrated about spacing and everything associated with with what they're doing with Steph. But, you know, their management made a decision that they were going to prioritize defense at the expense of offense because they thought that they had a better chance of competing if they defended at an extremely high level and let Mm -hmm. Steph have a harder job but think that he would be able to make enough happen around the margins that they would win games. And for the record, I think they've been right. I mean, given the amount of talent on that team, for them to be the eighth seed is, is pretty remarkable in, in this ridiculously stacked West, especially when you look at the talent level on some of the teams below them in the standings. Uh, and, you know, that, that's basically what the Lakers have said. Now, some of this, I think, is Anthony Davis and what he wants um, but the Lakers are prioritizing size at the expense of spacing in hopes that it will physically wear teams down and, and be something that is advantageous in a playoff series. Now, as I've told Raj a bunch of times in our podcast, like, I think the irony there is that like, I think the Lakers wear themselves out physically a lot on the offensive end with the lack of space. And so I personally think it's a tactical error. I would, I, I think the only center that should play is Marcus all. Uh, because he allows the Lakers to have spacing on the offensive end while still having that big physical presence on the defensive end. Because uh, so, I think I think Anthony Davis tricks himself into thinking that if he can avoid banging bodies on the defensive end, it'll save his legs. But then he goes down on the offensive end and he's playing in a crowd all day and he's taking just as many bumps and bruises on the offensive end. So I, I think I personally think it's a tactical error. I just think that's the decision they're making. They're prioritizing size at the expense of spacing and hope in hopes of, of wearing teams out. And it's clear that that's what, that's what Anthony Davis wants, right? He does not want to mm-hmm. play the center. And I think the problem is like the difference this year, because Anthony Davis played the four a lot last year too. It's just JaVale, at least in JaVale and Dwight were at least like uh, lob spacing, right? Like vertical spacers, but Drummond doesn't give you that either. So it, it takes away even more space. It's even more tighter for him to drive. Like there's no room. Um, he's trying to hand off in the paint to Drummond, so, and then Drummond has to, like, catch it, hold it, and then try to go up and draw a foul. And, again, I'm not trying to blame Andre Drummond here. I, he's not in the best um, scenario either. He's not like he's playing with LeBron James a bunch. Um, but that's just what's going on here. Like, that's where the spacing is really tough, and it's why I just think in the playoffs, like, Vogel is watching all these games just like us. There's just I just can't see a way that he's going to play huge minutes um, when it matters. Maybe, uh, maybe with LeBron it looks different. Just if they can switch everything, be very physical, run, uh, get out and run, which they're not doing right now either. They just don't have the ball handling to um, to push the ball the way that they want to with LeBron. So maybe that changes things. It's just the way I see it right now. Like the spacing is for now. It's a regular season thing. It's him to eat, eat innings, to to bang with body. So Anthony Davis doesn't have to. And you can see Anthony Davis still getting hurt here. But like that's obviously the 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 plan here is for AD to kind of rest and be able to relax through these regular season games. And then uh, the spacing hopefully will, will correct itself in the playoffs when Gasol gets those minutes in and, uh, and Drummond gets a little bit less and AD is at the five there where he can kind of operate more uh, in the paint. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, no, like I agree too. I mean, like, you know, I see Anthony Davis, you know, he wants to maintain his body throughout the post uh, to the postseason and stuff like that. 
you know, I, you know, it's, it would be great to see Drummond, you know, kind of play that Javel Dwight role and kind of get the hell out of his way. But, you know, I think he kind of sees himself as the same focal point. But, you know, changing off topic, like, honestly, I mean, I'm kind of hoping we're in the seventh, uh, seventh or eighth seed, preferably eighth seed, because in, I don't see the Suns or Utah even matching up with us. I think it's honestly, it's a six game at most easy out. You know, and we might hit, we probably will get a good pick out of it, to be honest with you. I don't really want to see the Clippers in the first round because then, you know, we've kind of played tentative towards them. We don't play with that edge towards them, even towards, the, like, you know, the last seven games we played with them the last uh, two seasons. So it might be kind of beneficial. I don't see, you know, in the play-ins, I don't see Memphis beating us. Obviously, I don't see the, the Warriors beating us because, and you know what, I'm in the Bay Area and I talk shit to the Warrior fans all the time. We're just bigger human beings. Get the hell out of our way. You know, you know, give the ball to AD. What are you going to do, Draymond? I don't care if you're a defensive player. You're, you're a smaller human being. I'm a backup on you and I'm going to throw lobs all day. Get the hell out of my way. And that's the argument I have all the time. We're big beings against the Warriors. We're going to, you know, the Memphis, Memphis Grizzlies is John Morant motor. We're going to beat you guys up inside, and we're going to take you guys out. I like your optimism, man. For sure. Appreciate you, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get some more, some more people up here. Yo, Brett, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. What's going Hello, on? Brett. Yeah, it's my first time on Spaces, so uh, <laughs> don't mess it up. I need to unmute myself. Okay. Uh, my question is about um, when LeBron presumably does end up coming back and Schroeder comes back. I think that in order to preserve LeBron's legs, I think that they should send him to the post more and sort of let Schroeder be that LeBron off the dribble facilitator because obviously LeBron can facilitate from the post I was wondering mm-hmm. what you were thinking of that of letting LeBron play off the ball in the post a lot more um, when he comes back so I tend to think that I've actually put a lot of thought into this ever since that article came out from Woj talking about how he was feeling pain when he was cutting um, you know the post is the area for him that he least needs his mobility and he most needs his strength. And it's also one of the areas, in my opinion, where he passes the ball the best. So I tend to think that, you know, as long I talked to Raj about this, I think in our last podcast, like if you had to choose between having a hundred percent healthy AD and 80% healthy LeBron or 80% healthy AD and a hundred percent healthy LeBron, I would take the 100% AD because for him, especially with what he brings in terms of the defensive ceiling, they need him to be healthy. But LeBron has this like old man version of his game that he doesn't use as much as he probably should. And that's his low post game. And, you know, talk to any, you know, uh, the high level NBA blogger who's into the analytics and they'll tell you that, you know, possessions that start with a LeBron James post up almost always end with some absurd number, like 1.3 points per possession or something crazy like that. 
uh, uh, give or take a few tenths of a point based on the season. Uh, but that's always been one of his best areas. And I think it's the easiest counter to, uh, you know, effectually uh, uh, take away the need for him to make really quick cuts. That's not to say that he doesn't still need to get healthy if he can. And it's not to say that he won't, that he will experience some discomfort working out of the post, but I think that would be the best way for an injured LeBron to impact a playoff series, in my opinion. Yeah, that's probably a good way for him to start kind of in the first round. Um, I like the point you made about Wish Schroeder, because if, if, if LeBron's at the top of the key running uh, running screen actions, then Schroeder's probably a spot-up shooter mostly, right? Or he's, he's a cutter um, out mm. of that. So putting LeBron in the post kind of makes it a little bit harder to kind of double him. But again, that depends like who he's around. If this is like 80 at the five, then I think you have a really nice open space. But again, if it's like Drummond next to him or Trez, it's really tough to even just throw LeBron in the post there um, other than he's passing to the dunker spot. But they're going to help a lot a lot off Drummond, especially Montrez Harrell, kind of, and dare our other shooters to kind of make shots. So, uh, But yeah, LeBron's like post numbers are great i think he's really efficient at it um i i think he used it a lot uh, last year but uh it just depends if he wants to like mismatch attack from uh from the top or if he wants to attack from the post uh he, he, i think he's more comfortable right now going from the top being able to pick out his defender um using screens rather than um just having to bang down low even though it might be saving a little bit i still think he kind of uses a lot trying to back up every time but they, that, that's a good way to kind of use him i guess in the first round um, get his legs going, get his jumper kind of going on those. He really likes those fall away jumpers. So maybe that gets him going in the first round. Well, I, I suppose I'm speaking specifically of the times when he wants to be more aggressive. Cause I agree yeah. with you that in terms of him saving his legs, sometimes, sometimes, you know, we've all seen it with LeBron when he's in coast mode, which regardless of the game, it'll happen at some point. Uh, you know, it's just his way of saving energy while he plays. What he'll do right. is he'll run some sort of screening action at the top of the key and he's not even really trying to get to the rim. What he's trying to do is just get the defense to overcommit to somebody, whoever it is, whether it's him, the role man, or just leaning one side of the floor a little bit too much. And, and then he'll either throw some looping swing pass or he'll do a behind the back pass to the top of the key. Like it, that, that to me is his like energy saving play. And he can still do that because he doesn't need to be, you know, aggressively cutting off of it. I'm just saying in the portions of the game, when it becomes a, like really necessary for him to be aggressive as a scorer, I think the post game is going to be an area where he can still be physically successful, even when he's less than a hundred percent in terms of his recovery from the ankle injury. Yeah, for sure. I agree. Uh, Ryan, I appreciate you uh, coming up here. Yeah, it looks like we lost Ryan. Uh, all right, let's see. Yo, Rick, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. What's going on? Rick, what's up, man? What's up? Uh, Yeah, overall, I'm not necessarily, like, super in panic mode about the Lakers. But I do feel like it's, like, the whole center situation and just the effort in general is just very different from last season. Because I feel like last season, they kind of took their lumps early on. Like, I remember kind of being... um worried about the losses against the Celtics in Philadelphia. And I was just wondering, okay, has LeBron lost a step against the wings? But I feel like one thing that was really important was that as that season went on, they kind of peaked towards the playoffs. Like in the game against the Bucks and the Clippers, I think, back-to-back, 
you kind of just saw them look a lot better than they do now. And even in the bubble, the effort wasn't always there, but they could still kind of turn it on and lock in. And you saw that kind of ramp up as time went on. And I don't really think I'm seeing that with this team, which is kind of a slight concern. And my other concern is that with the center minutes, I think that the person who most hurts, it, it might just hurt Sh- Sh- Dennis Schroeder the most because at least AD and LeBron, regardless of the spacing, they'll still be effective to some level in terms of finishing around the paint because of their size, athleticism, and touch. Whereas for Schroeder, I just realized that Drummond is kind of always going to be in the dunker spot. And you don't really want Schroeder just taking jump shots the whole game. And because of his size, I'm more so worried about his performances in the playoffs and his ability to kind of finish around the rim. So I, my question is, do you think that the Lakers can afford to give the spot minutes that they would give JaVale and Dwight last year? So, for example, they would give... Like, you would start JaVale, and you're not necessarily giving five points to the other team, but, again, you guys kind of talked about how Vogel would be a little bit slower to make those rotations. I mean, he, def- he at the end of the day, he did do it, so credit to him. But I feel like, again, against the Clippers and just most of the Western Conference teams, you really want to be giving yourself the best shot possible off the jump. And... Right now, I don't necessarily see that situational lineups that give me the confidence that we're going to do that. So, you know, first of all, you want to hear something that's kind of ironic is uh, if you actually look at the Lakers lineup data among their uh, uh, lineups that meet a certain minutes threshold, the most successful Laker five-man lineup last year was the lineup with JaVale McGee. Um, Now, I think that the, the obvious explanation for that is because they would play him with the starters. So he was right. play he was playing with the other four best Lakers. Uh, but the point is, is that like, I think that that was one part of the issue that delayed, uh, uh, you know, Frank's reaction is, you know, I think that lineup that I'm referencing was roughly about plus 15 uh, points for 100 possessions in terms of their net rating. And uh, the truth, you're right. It's like, what, what if that lineup was plus 18, you know, or plus 19, if they stopped messing around? And it was obvious that Frank didn't necessarily want to play JaVale because he literally only played the first five minutes of the first quarter in the first five minutes of the third quarter. That was like his only time playing, but it was part of him, you know, capitulating to the demands of, I'm guessing AD. Uh, uh, but the, you're right about the fact that it affects Dennis the most because LeBron and AD can physically dominate the game in a way that even though there's poor spacing, they'll find a way to be impactful. And I 100% agree that Dennis is the one that it affects the most. And, you know, all you can hope is that just like last year, eventually Frank finally looks at the guys and goes, hey, AD, we saved you all these lumps during the regular season. We're, we're benching the centers. And, uh, you know, I, I, I saw this stat the other day on Twitter um, and I'm assuming it's correct, which is probably a bad strategy on my part. But uh, 60% of the Lakers' minutes last year in the playoffs were played without a traditional center. They played with either Markeith or AD at the five. Um, so, you know, for all, for all of our complaints, you know, when, when the chips were down, they, they went to the, their best lineups. Um, and then the last thing you had mentioned about their inconsistent effort this year, 
I think, you know, as fans, we have really irrational expectations. We just want our teams to play hard all the time. And I think we forget that NBA teams always have bad effort nights. And, you know, that's why before the season, I would tell Raj, I'd be watching that defensive rating because I think that defensive rating is the best indicator of your average effort. You know, how often you go into a game and you just totally mail it in versus when you actually are engaged and you're trying on the defensive end. And the Lakers have had the number one defense in the league almost all year. Um, so, you know, as far as I'm concerned, yeah, there have been bad nights. It may even seem like there's been more bad nights than usual lately. Uh, but this Laker team, when you actually compare them to the other 30, te- the other 29 teams in the league, they, they tend to mail in nights less often than everybody else. So I would actually argue that this has been a good effort team and a team that in a really crappy season with a lot of crappy circumstances has brought it for the most part. And I think they deserve credit for that. And I'll take the other part of the question. He said uh, Schroeder would probably be the, the guy that struggles the most. And I, I'd agree with that just from another sense. I think LeBron and AD kind of built their chemistry last year, right? Like they got a bunch of games under their belt. Um, the kind of pieces changed around them, but they're still each other. They know their games. Uh, Schroeder only got like 20-something games next to LeBron and AD, and he's supposed to be a big-time shot creator for this team, uh, running a lot of actions that are supposed to go through him. He's supposed to be the third scorer, and that's where I worry about him out now into the first round. Like, they're getting no continuity between those three, um, especially and the four, if Drummond's going to be a big part of the playoffs. Like, there's just not enough minutes with them. So that's where I think I agree with you. Schroeder would be the the odd man out here and the guy I want to look to to uh, hopefully in that first round we get someone like Denver where he can kind of get going. Denver runs a real drop coverage where uh, it really lends to the strengths of Dennis Schroeder, him be able to come up and uh, take the shots he wants. So, so I agree with you in that point that, that LeBron and AD are going to be fine. I think, I think uh, worrying about the superstars is not the, the part here. Like I, I feel like they'll be there. It's just the continuity and, and the health you need to worry about here. Um, so yeah. Uh, I did have one more point about like one thing that I have seen in the past couple games was AD as a ball handler more so often. And I kind of really like that development. It hasn't always looked great with Drummond and AD, but they're still kind of working out that fit. And I kind of see the idea behind it. I think with Gasol, it could look even better. So that's that's kind of the one thing that I'm hoping that they do kind of carry into the playoffs. Yeah, I'm, I think he's a little bit shaky dribbling out on the perimeter uh, in an environment where he doesn't have great spacing. I thought he struggled under Marcus Morris's ball pressure today. Uh, Raj and I actually talked about that at the beginning uh, of the space. And, you know, I think, I think at the end of the day, like in, in, in specific matchups when he has more space to work with, anytime AD is being aggressive is good. I just think that if you're, if you're kind of parsing out his skill set, you know, against a team like the Clippers with a ton of ball pressure, a ton of switchy wings, who's loading up the side and sending doubles, him kind of a six eleven guy putting the ball on the floor is kind of asking for, you know, bad things to happen. Um, but that's not to say that that shouldn't be used in, in certain, in certain spots when he has a little bit more room to work with and the defense in the defense isn't so keen in on him. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I like that they're using it. Um, they used it really nicely against Denver, um, kind of picking on Jokic, right? Like that's a big that you can really go at in a ball screen actions. I feel like tonight's tough, especially with 80s jumper not going. Um, it's going to be tough for him to run those four or five. And, and with, like, very little shooting around, right? There, It's like Alex Caruso and, and other guys that teams just don't respect their shooting. So AD's running ball, uh, four or five screen and rolls with just no space. He's driving into three, four bodies. There's just nowhere to go. 
and and the Clippers just switch it pretty easily. So like if you come set a screen with Drummond, they just switch Zubac on him, and they're comfortable with him uh, kind of contesting his shot. So that's that's where I would like to see him more in the playoffs for sure. I think him and Gasol can run it nice, kind of run it nicely, and put the ball more in AD's hands um, on the, at the top of the key instead of just throwing it to him in the post and hoping he just backs down and, and gets a hook shot or something uh, and try to be super physical, which is just not his uh, not his game. Yep, I agree. Thanks, Rick. Appreciate you uh, coming up here. Thanks, Rick. Thank you. Y'all be safe. Uh, might regret this one, but uh, Rick, what's up? Uh, I see you tweeting me. You wanted to come up here. Is, is he on mute? No, it says uh, connecting. We get get someone else while uh, we're waiting for uh, to connect. Yo, George, are you there? Yeah, what's up? Hey, George, how's it going, man? Good, good. I thought Reek was going to take my spot. I was going to slander hour up here, but uh, <laughs> uh, one question I guess I'll ask: If Frank is going to commit to Drummond at the five for starting, would you guys think it would be better for Dennis to come off the bench, maybe? Because I I don't know if he's going to be hampered by COVID. And I think Jason, you said something earlier in the year that you wouldn't mind Dennis starting or coming off the bench, I should say. So I I want to get your thoughts on that. You know, it's it's always been my longstanding philosophy that if you've got, you know, too many ball handlers on the floor, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but inevitably one of the guys is going to be relegated into a position that affects his rhythm. And unless you're literally like a Clay Thompson or you're like Kyrie and Kevin Durant, James Harden, where you're really good spot up shooters, it can be a problem. Dennis Shooter is an OK spot up shooter, but when he's off the ball, it can it can disrupt his rhythm. I always from the start thought that that he would benefit from a role where he could come in guns blazing as LeBron or AD goes to the bench and he can just get his rhythm going. Uh, the one thing that Dennis did that kind of countered that is he was so good defensively at the point yeah. of attack that it actually was kind of helpful to have him out to start the game almost to like set the tone. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that they'll do the same thing uh, when he comes back from the COVID stuff. Uh, Dennis is, uh, you know, Dennis has made his, his position known, uh, throughout the season in his interviews. He's got, he's got a little bit of an ego on him as he should. He's a really good basketball player. And my, my guess is he wouldn't take kindly to a benching. Uh, so I would, I would put my, I'd put my money on him starting when he comes back. Yeah, same. I, I feel like I wanted him to come off the bench too, to start, but his defense is just too good. Um, I feel like he was an all, all, all NBA defense level. Like he had an all NBA defense level year. Um, he's a really good ball pressure guard. Um, he's even better than Avery Bradley was last year. And you gain all that shot creation, all that ball handling. Um, he really raises the ceiling of the team. I feel like Caruso is going to close a lot of games. Might even close over him, but he gained, he, he really raises that offensive ceiling uh, that they miss, a guy that can create his own shot. So I, I, I don't know if he'll come off the bench maybe for the first few games in the first round, but I think he'll eventually start. And plus you have the whole, um, well, I don't know if the contract issue will come up as much in a playoff setting, but... Uh, I'd rather him start. I just think the the starting lineup needs his 
offensive creation, especially when they start two bigs like like AD and Drummond or or something like that, where you just have so little scoring anyway um, inside and so little space to work with. You need a, a guard that can attack and really pressure, uh, put pressure on defenses where uh, other other guys just don't do that uh, to to his level. Yeah, I was just saying that because I know the Bucks did it with Drew because he had really bad symptoms coming back. But I mean, right. I guess that'll be a question to be answered later because. I just think with Drummond out there, it kind of hurts his ability to attack because he did, especially in that Nets game. Well, I guess Drummond was out there, but I don't know. I mean, I thought just with Drummond out there, it would hurt his ability to attack. And him and Gasol out there, just another playmaker to add and shooting, I thought that would be a lot better, but I don't know what Frank's going to do. We yeah, will I find mean, out. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, guess, I guess that's all I had to ask if uh, – if a shooter would come off the bench, but I don't have really anything else to add. So uh, thank you for letting me up here again. Thanks, Thanks George. Thanks, guys. Right, let's see if uh, if Reed can uh, get his phone, get his connection going here. Yo, what's going on, man? <laughs> don't make me don't make me regret this, man. <laughs> no, I was going on. Hey, question though, I got two questions. <clears throat> the first question is: Are you worried about? Uh, Dennis Shorter coming back playing high minutes at the point with uh with COVID symptoms. Yeah, definitely, man. I never know how that's gonna go. Like even I think Tatum even said like it affected him what like months after, right? Like he had he had his COVID stuff and he said he was still breathing out of like an inhaler and stuff before games. It's really scary. So you never know. Like and I I don't know. So yeah, definitely I'm worried about it. You got to play the numbers, man. Like, I mean, I, you worry about it when it happens. If he comes back and he's not doing well, um, uh, then you got to react accordingly. But chances are, as a young, healthy guy, he should be fine. Uh, my, my guess is that, if anything, it'll just be his conditioning, just from the fact that, you know, like when, when I got it, it knocked me on my butt for, you know, eight, nine days, and I was sleeping like 12 hours a day. And it just affected my, it affected my conditioning when I tried to come back just because I wasn't doing anything. Um, and that's hard because he'll be coming back into playoff NBA basketball. <laughs> so that could, that could be a little crazy, but I mean, at the end of the day, uh, I, I think we should just try to be optimists here and hope that he comes back as a young, healthy person with very little residuals. And it's also possible that he's one of the lucky ones without symptoms and he can do some training uh, while he's awaiting his uh, quarantine to end. So, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens, but uh, uh, you know, there's no point in speculating, I guess. Yeah, I agree. <sighs> All right, one more question. One more. <laughs> okay, now nah, one more question though. What is how? <laughs> All right, so uh, if you guys, so right now it's looking like you're gonna play the Suns in the first round, right? Right. All right, so. How many how many players deep do you think can play in the in the playoffs for Lakers? This Lakers team got too many, man. Like twelve. <laughs> I think you can go twelve deep. I don't think they will, but they can't. I mean, the Lakers don't have a depth problem. I promise you that. Um, they, they 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 have an issue with uh, when it comes to the rotations with too many players who can play. I mean, if you look at the guard spot, you've got uh, Dennis Dennis KCP West. Caruso, THT, and Ben McLemore. So you've got that six guards that you could rotate in and out. Even if you played three guard lineups all the time, you'd go too deep. And then on the wing, you've got basically Kuzma, LeBron, 
uh, Markeith Morris and uh, uh, although Markeith Morris could play some small ball five, but then you look at the forwards and you've got, you know, Gasol, Drummond, AD uh, and uh, uh, Montrez and LeBron's going to play a ton of minutes at the four in the playoffs. I, I like, cause the, 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 their issue has to do with health for their superstars. But outside of that depth is just not a concern on this team. Um, you know, they could drop a player at any position at any given time a time that's in a role player spot and be fine. I, I, that's never been a concern for me this year. <laughs> yeah. I, I just wish they played less players to be honest. I think that, I think Vogel's exactly playing both playing, playing way too many. He needs to cut the rotation down, which I think he will in the playoffs like they did last year. But I don't know. That Suns team is deep though as well. They're going to go like 10, 11 deep. So I, I don't know how that's going to work, but I, I just like them to cut the rotation. Like I think Drummond and Trez and, those guys should just be all situational. Marky Morris probably too should all be situational. Should be like Kuzma, Caruso, uh, LeBron, Andy, and a few and KCP and a few other few other players, and that should be it. Should get like an eight nine rotation down. But but yeah, they're gonna go like 10, 11 deep though. They're gonna try at least. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate you, Reed. <laughs> uh, we're gonna get <laughs> let's get someone else up here. I thought it'd be a lot worse. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. <laughs> Mage, what's up? Mage, what's up? How's it going, Raj? Can you hear me? I can hear you. What's going on? What's going on, Raj? Hey, uh, just a couple questions for you. You know me. I'm a big uh, baseball guy. Uh, it seems like um, two of the dominant LA teams, the Lakers and Dodgers, are struggling due to injuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, have, that being, have that being said, are you more concerned about the squad getting healthy or about like the chemistry when they come back? Which one's more concerning to you? Uh, most definitely the, uh, the health coming back. Cause none of the chemistry matters if they're not healthy. Right. So, but I, I feel like there's a fine line that we need to walk and uh, they're really playing with fire here. Uh, like they're really trying to just pull, go full on into the health kind of basket, putting all their eggs in the health basket and uh, I feel like there's got to be some respect to the chemistry and respect to the continuity that it takes to to win a title. But they're going all into the to the health basket, so that's obviously what's most important to them. I think that's most important to me too. Uh, what do you think, Jason? Yeah, I agree. And when it comes to you know uh, when it comes to this kind of thing, I look at what's dependent on chemistry and what isn't. Like if you're a team like the Boston Celtics and you don't have a ton of super high IQ offensive players, but you've got a bunch of talent. Sometimes it takes time for it to all kind of meld together and for it to work. Uh, but when you've got guys like LeBron and when you've got guys like uh, uh, Marcus, all these really high IQ players that are kind of the glue that makes it all work. Uh, everyone's job becomes simpler. And when people have easy jobs, it's not so much about chemistry at that point. And, uh, and then especially with their, their, you know, what they do on the defensive end, that sort of thing has already been set up throughout the season. And I, I'm not worried about LeBron and AD coming in and doing their job defensively. So like, you know, I always say that like when, when, when the shit hits the fan, you have to fall back on your core identity, you know, like you can't, uh, you know, when things really get tough, you have to fall back on these like habits that you set up throughout the season. And, that's why I think teams that are bad defenses don't do well in the playoffs because like you're going to go through a stretch against the Clippers where you're just not going to be able to score because they're going crazy. The, the, the refs are letting a lot of physicality go. They're playing their best defensive lineups and things are going to really shut down. And you just have to weather that storm by defending them on the other end. 
And uh, I, I think that the I think that the Lakers, because of LeBron's high IQ and because of the fact that he'll primarily be the one making decisions, and because they can fall back on their defensive identity, I think they're capable uh, of of you know weathering these kinds of storms without a ton of continuity and chemistry. Obviously, like Raj said, I mean, none of it's good. You know, it's certainly a little freaky to think about the fact that LeBron at most is going to play three or four more games before the playoffs. Like that's obviously not a good thing. Um, But you know, like if that, you know, LeBron, LeBron, you got to think about it this way. Like LeBron doesn't want to play in the play in. He knows that these two games tonight and tomorrow against the Blazers are important games and he's not playing. That means LeBron is sitting at home and he's thinking my ankle hurts and I would rather have my ankle feel a little bit better then try to fight for this right now. And you got, you got to trust that they know what they're doing at that point. For sure. Yeah, I agree. Thank you, Major. I appreciate it. Oh, wait, uh, Mike has a question if that's okay. Uh, okay. What's up, Mike? <laughs> Raj, what's up, man? How you doing? Good. What's going on, man? Congrats to you. Not much, man. Today. Yeah, I just wanted to come on board and say Clipper Nation, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd do that. <laughs> no, no, thank you, Raj. Oh, last question. Uh, would you rather uh, have the Lakers in this situation uh, be seventh or fifth right now? Uh, what do you think is more safe for them? I'd rather be Dave. I'd rather them be fifth just to have a full-on playoff spot no matter who they play. Well, I, I think... I think we can have a good argument here that I'm pretty confident that the Lakers will make the playoffs. It's just a matter of who they're going to be first thing in the face round. But, uh, yeah, we got an interesting couple months coming up, so I'm excited for it. So, But thanks for having Appreciate me on. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. <laughs> Some of my friends. Uh, we got, like, four more people. Jason, do you have time? Because they've been requesting for a while. So I just thought, let's just – Yeah, let's, let, let, let's pull through them. Let's just make them a little quick. Let's do it, yeah. So let's go with uh, – Xavier. Hey, yo. What's going on, man? What's yeah, up, man? yeah, what's up, guys? What's going on? Yeah, yeah. I really wanted to know, um, what did y'all think about Vogel? I think yesterday or the day before, his comments about uh, playing Gasol and Trez together. Like that it was hard to play two bigs in the, uh, the NBA today when oh, man. You know, they play two bigs all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I did not want to get mad before I go to bed here. But, like, yeah, that's, that's, really, that's really annoying, man. Because uh, the only reason I pushed for it is because he's the one that said he would play it. And I just think they fit really nicely together. Gasol and Trez is just, like, a perfect 4-5. allows Gasol to play that 5 on offense and that 4 kind of uh, – on de- uh, that 5 on defense and that 4 on offense. Let Trez kind of do what he does, be able to switch. But they obviously don't believe it will work. I-, I would like to at least see it once. I don't know what, why we can't at least see it, but – they obviously don't believe in it. I don't think his reasoning really made sense to me, considering who we're starting. But it, it's clear they don't really want to go to that. So it, I guess that's that's just what it will be. I don't think we're going to see it. Um, if we're not going to see it now, I mean, I doubt we see it um, when it comes to the playoff playoff time. I just think uh, Trez will be out of the rotation, or Gasol won't be playing in the series. I don't think them two are going to going to play together at all. Sadly, this year. Yeah, I, I literally thought that was the most ridiculous and hypocritical statement that I've heard from Frank uh, since he's had the job. Like, he, here's the thing. You can't play two centers in the modern NBA in the sense that you can't play Drummond and Trez. Absolutely. Uh, but you absolutely can play two big men in the NBA today if one of them has the ability to function on the perimeter and the other doesn't. Uh, because then, then they can kind of uh, play off of each other in that sense. 
And, you know, the, the reason why you can play Mark and Trez is the exact same reason why you can play AD and Drummond. It's the fact that, you know, one of them can function on the perimeter while the other doesn't. Now, ideally, like, here's the thing. You know what's not going to fix all of the Lakers' problems? Marcus Gasol and Montrez Harrell playing together. It's not going to fix all their problems. That's, that's foolishness. But the idea that you wouldn't try that lineup as a manner in which to force some Marcus all minutes in hopes of getting something going because you say you can't play two bigs together. That's that to me is flawed reasoning. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, I, I, I think it, especially considering he's the one himself who said he was going to try to make it happen uh, originally. So I, I, that, that, that to me was some, some class a hypocrisy, but I mean, yeah, let, let's, for all the people clamoring for that lineup, let's stop pretending like that's going to solve all their problems either. Cause I think that's irrational as well. Yep. The only thing I'd say is let's get AD and Gasol first before we beg for like, <laughs> yeah. Gasol, you know what I mean? Like let's get, let's get AD and Gasol first consistently out there getting minutes. And then we can talk about Gasol with other lineups, but until he's playing with the starters or even that full second unit, um, I, I just don't think this is a lineup we're going to see like the, the way that he's being uh, played right now is, is pretty much just that backup five where he plays spot minutes next to uh, Anthony Davis. So I, I think that's how it's going to go. Uh, I appreciate you, Xavier. Uh, we're going to try to get some uh, the last few people up here. Appreciate y'all, man. Thanks, man. Uh, let's see. Um, they have five and six, which I, th- which I think is LeBron's record in the finals. Is that right? <laughs> oh no, that's just what I wanted to be when he retired, so I could put my <laughs> goat agenda. <laughs> but um, the question I had was, like, albeit I think it's kind of biased because watching every Lakers game, like, Vogel gets my, like, blood pressure high every game because he, like, <laughs> has his love affair with Drummond. But I just had a question, like, say the Lakers, like, don't make the finals and they flame out, flame out, but, like, say they lose in the conference finals. Is there mm-hmm. any, like, way that Vogel doesn't come back next year? Like I know, no way, no. Like, Literally, no chance. Bias. Okay, so like he's like definitely back next year. Whatever happens, there's absolutely no way now. I, 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 I would bet my life savings on it. Yeah, I guess the only way is if they like got swept in the first round in some terrible like manner where you know just like some apoc- apocalyptic thing, which again I just don't see happening at all. He got the title last year. There's a bunch of, I wouldn't call them excuses, but, you know, there can be some valid reasoning for you to say why this season didn't work out. Injuries, short off season, uh, no practices, et cetera, et cetera. Now all these teams go through that, but I just don't see, I, I don't think Bogle has done a bad enough job. Look, he's got this team with the number one defense. Like we can lose sight of a lot of things, but they have number one defense in the league without LeBron and AD for a lot of that. So uh, I think he's done what he's supposed to do. If he doesn't have the stars healthy by the time of the playoffs, that's not his fault. I just don't see him going anywhere. He's, he, he has he's done his job for the most part. Just the rotations are a little frustrating for all of us, but uh, I feel like that's like a team thing, something that's been kind of decided as an organization rather than him like picking out who's playing and not every night. So no, I don't see him getting. I don't see him going anywhere. Yeah, I, right, I guess agree. Like, Rod said it all. Um, Go ahead. In addition to that, would you? I know like some people complain about the offensive schemes, like the coaching staff didn't really do much or anything like that. Are there like people you guys would like to see added to the staff? this offseason? I kind of like the way that the staff is put together in the sense that they are primarily defensively focused and they kind of let LeBron uh, be your offensive coordinator in a lot of ways. Uh, You know, 
it's it's not the first time that we've seen that kind of idea before where uh, you know, you, you bring in a coach to focus on one side of the ball. It's basically what Mike D'Antoni has done his entire career. Um, I, I just, I don't, I think the, I think the Lakers have a health problem. They don't have any sort of coaching problem. I, I don't think that, you know, and here's the other thing too. This doesn't just go for the Lakers. This goes for everybody. Cause I've seen just about every national podcast I've listened to is like, well, what happens if you lose in the first round of this playoffs? Like if you're Portland or if you're the Clippers or if you're whoever it is, I mean, Portland's maybe a different story, but if, guess what? If the Clippers lose in the first round, like I wouldn't blow it up. Like this has been the most absurd season ever, you know, like Dennis Schroeder just has to miss the last two weeks of the season with the pandemic, like, like, cause he caught a disease. Like there's uh, you know, the, the, the Chicago bulls are going to miss the playoffs because they made an all in trade for a all-star forward. And then Zach Levine got COVID and was out for two weeks. Like it's, it's like, it's like this is this is not the season to make any sort of sweeping changes to anything. If the Lakers lost in the play-in, it would not change anything about the way they should approach this offseason or anything about what they should like think of as their ceiling for next season. Because guess what? This season has been a total shit show and there's no point in making any sort of massive over like reaction to what has taken place this year it, it has been it has been the furthest guess what you know what's going to happen a full off season for everybody to get healthy and then a traditional nba schedule that starts in the middle of october and runs to the middle of april and there's very few back-to-backs and there's much better travel and lots more opportunity for the players to get into a traditional you know uh routine in terms of taking care of their bodies and I'm just I'm just not necessarily worried about that in the long run. Yep, appreciate you, man. Uh, we're trying to get the last few people up here. Thank you, man. Uh, let's see. Looks like his is uh, not connecting. Let's see if we can get someone else while that one uh, loads up here. Yo, what's up? What's going on, man? How's it going? Hey, how are y'all? Pretty good, good pretty good. What's up, Mateo? So, I was just listening the whole time. And then I just saw Dave McMiniman's tweet about LeBron mm-hmm. and I had to hop on. He was like, LeBron's absence from the Lakers last two games against Denver and Clippers was not medically related. When asked for the reason James was not present, Vogel said he's just not here. Added James was not at shoot, was at shoot around Thursday, but will not join the team in Portland. What do y'all think about that? What in the world? I haven't read that uh, yet. I yeah. just saw it seven minutes ago. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing that. Um, I'm I'm not sure. Uh, maybe he just uh, didn't want to come to the game. I don't I don't know. LeBron, I'm sure, has his reasons uh, for not uh, for not uh, going to the being at the game. I guess is that what he's saying? He wasn't at the game, um, so uh, yeah. and he was not at shirt shoot around Thursday. I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure LeBron has his reasons though. If he's not. Uh, if he's not, uh, shout out George. He shared it at the top. I don't know if everyone can see in the spaces there. Uh, he shared that little tweet um, that it says that he was absent. I, I have no idea. But, I mean, LeBron, I'm sure, has his reasons. 
So I'm I'm sure he'll be with the team when when it matters. I don't I have no clue. Yeah. yeah, I tend to like if you wanted to be a massive conspiracy theorist and you wanted to come up with some like <laughs> I don't know desperate housewives type of drama for this, you could say that maybe he's taking space from the team in reaction to Dennis Schroeder revealing his vaccine history or something crazy like that. Oh, but I man. just I just he's a grown ass man, dude. There's no way that's the kind of thing that's happening. I, my guess is that uh, um, that there's a very good reason and that. It's something that uh, that uh, Frank Vogel doesn't want to disclose just out of respect. But uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I can think of if, you, if you're trying to build a list of things that should worry you about the Lakers, the fact that LeBron wasn't sitting courtside should be extremely low on that list. Yeah. Yeah, he'll be there when it matters. I, I don't know. What a crazy season. What That's such a weird I know, right? thing to tweet out. It's been, it's been a fucking shit show of a season. Very man. true. Great. Matesh, we appreciate you. We're going to get to these last two. All right, man. Get out of here. Y'all take care. All right, thank you. Let's see if uh, Rome. Rome, are you there? Yo, can you hear me? What's going on? Yeah, I can hear you. What's going on, man? Yo, Raj, Jason, what's good? How's it going, man? man? Uh, I can't believe Reek came in here and did not dance on all of our graves, bro. (laughs) <laughs> shout out to him bro because that's wild like i was man <laughs> nah, no, we would have uh, de- deserved it too it was a, yeah it was nah, a, bro. It was a bad one <laughs> no nah, but uh i just want to ask I, I don't know if you guys saw it I think it was a, a like pregame today uh, mm-hmm. uh, vogel vogel was saying something about how he kind of has an idea of who he's gonna play uh like come playoff time i don't know if you guys saw that Oh yeah, no, I did see that. I think he basically tweeted out like that he he knows who the rotation is going to be, but it's going to be matchup dependent, which is basically right. what Raj and I have been saying for weeks. Like, I, yeah. like it's a, it's all fun in games until the chips are down, man. Like you, you don't uh, you don't keep a, a bullet in the holster when the chips are down. Like they're gonna they're gonna tighten up things when when the time comes, and, and there's there's evidence of that if you dig into the lineup data in last year's postseason. Yeah. Right, and that that quote really tells us nothing, right? That he knows his match, he knows his playoff rotation, but it's matchup dependent. Like that's just that can be that could really mean anything. It can mean anything. Uh, yeah, it doesn't tell me. <laughs> yeah, anything, it was weird. So. It was so yeah, weird. Yeah, yeah. It's like what? But, uh, okay. but I mean, if you just if you just go off his like resume with the Lakers, right? Like what he did last year, just going off what he's actually proven to be, not this theoretical that we're going with. He plays who's going to help him win, right? Like Javel McGee did not play minutes when it mattered. Um, which, if we we forget this, but Dion Waiters was a huge part of the the rotation, right? In those seeding games, in those right. like those those games, and he did not play um, when it mattered either. J.R. Smith, uh, those kind of guys just did not get minutes. Those guys that cannot defend um, and do not hit shots at a respectable rate or don't play play well, don't play a good playoff basketball, not going to get minutes. Like that's just how I see it. And mm-hmm. uh, until proven otherwise, uh, I'm I'm saying that that's what he's going to do. Uh, when the when the chips are down, as as uh, Jason says, so I, I don't think you have to worry about that. But yeah, that quote really tells me nothing. That he said his playoff rotation is ready, but it's matchup dependent. <laughs> so that yeah. that tells me absolutely nothing. And then Someone can quick... go ahead, go ahead, man. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, my only quick quick question: How confident are you guys that Drummond is getting pulled, bro? Because like I don't know what it is, man. AD, I don't know if if, if they just got a thing, but like I don't know, man. <laughs> they got a lot. They they act like like Drummond is not an issue, man. I, I don't know. I'm confident that he'll eventually get pulled. I just think that he'll also play quite a bit before that. I, I think that's it's that simple. I mean, uh, the one thing I was going to add about the rotation stuff is we had someone come on the pod 
on Tuesday and was like, do you remember when Dion Waiters and J.R. Smith were playing a ton in the bubble seeding games? And he's right. Like literally the Lakers were running a ton of offense through Dion Waiters in the bubble game. So like, it's one of those things where you can never overreact to regular season rotation stuff. It's very seldom going to make any sense, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think they will pull Drummond. I just think they're going to play him a lot first. And I think we'll all be pulling our hair out as it happens. But, uh, you know, <laughs> some, so a lot of it has to do with how quickly they're threatened to, you know, like if they, if they somehow manage to get a, you know, a, a gentleman sweep in the first round and, and they go into the second round, they win games one and two, like, that's just going to trick them into thinking that the way things are going, nothing needs to change. So, I mean, depending on how quickly they find themselves with their back against the wall could be what ends up dictating when they finally start playing their best lineups. Right. That's valid. That's valid. All right. Thank you guys. Uh, I love what you guys are doing. Uh, Thank you, man. It means a lot. We got, we got two more. All right. Let's see. Uh, Edge, let's see if he works this time. What's going on, man? Can you can you hear us? Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, I can yep. hear you. What's going on, man? All right, I just want to go back to what we talked about earlier. Uh, um, someone brought up that like um, the Suns are like a possibility right now, like the most likely possibility, right? Unless mm-hmm. somehow the like the LeBronless Lakers go on a run here, which I doubt. But regardless, um, I remember Jason talking earlier about how. Like, the Warriors are peaking right now while the Lakers, like, you know, lacking continuity, lacking health, all that. And so that's why the play-in is pretty dicey. And I'm not suggesting that, like, the Lakers tank or anything, obviously. But, like, if that were to happen and they were the Warriors um, play-in and then Suns first round, I honestly think that that's, like, the best-case scenario. And hear me out. Because the Warriors, while they may be peaking, they, you know, they don't have a single center. And... And the only thing that um, really troubles LeBron's in game ones, which is a lot of, I see a lot of people bringing up is that like, cause a lot of teams, he has to adjust to the rim, like the rim pressure that he puts a lot of teams throw something out in the game ones that he doesn't, he like, he has to adjust to. And if, I mean, unless you're counting on Draymond to, to shore up the entire paint for LeBron and AD, like I know Draymond does well against AD, but like, he doesn't do anything. He can't do both at the same time. And so, I don't know. I think that that's, like, the best case. And the Lakers' defense is centric around stopping guards, right? Schroeder versus Curry this year. Schroeder has clamped him. Like, and the Lakers the have destroyed him, yeah. Yeah, and then the Suns, when it comes to CP3 and Booker, that's, like, obviously they have Aiton, but, like, I'm not trusting Aiton yet because from what I've seen and just he has no experience. So I don't know. And then in the second round, if you have to face the Clippers, I think you'll be more equipped to face them rather than in the first. So what are your guys' thoughts on that? You can go ahead, Raj. Yeah, that was that was a lot. So I guess I'll try to keep up with, I guess, the defense. I think you talked about that. Uh, look, I think the defense is good enough against any of these teams. Like the Suns are a really good team. I feel like they're a really high-level regular season team. Uh, but I think they're pretty close to like where they're going to peak at. Um, so like in, in my opinion, I think Jason, you've said this too. Like we just want to avoid the Clippers in the first round. Like I don't think the Lakers are operating that way at all. Uh, it doesn't feel like that, but I just think like that's what we would that's what we'd prefer um, to try to just get LeBron's legs going. Um, I saw a lot of the doctors, kind of Laker Twitter doctors, say that LeBron probably won't be himself until the second round because uh, I guess it takes like a full twelve weeks to get that full level of healing back. So like just to get just to get a matchup where um, they don't have to go against 
those full superstar wings in the first round out there. I think it would be good for them. Um, and yeah, like I look, the West is tough. There's no easy matchup. Like Denver being the prize in the West is just shows how good the West is. In my opinion, like they are in a ridiculous team. MPJ Jokic is the clear MVP for me. Um, so, and that's the prize team in the West and you go all the other matchup. Utah is really good, really solid. Um, so like there's no easy matchup there. You want to try to avoid the Clippers in my opinion, but uh, the Lakers are going to have to win against tough teams for all three, all four rounds um, in the playoffs in the final. So I guess that's my take on that. I think uh, I'm not sure what other questions uh, were in there, but, but yeah, like just going from playoff to playoff matchup. Um, I feel like it's going to be tough either way. There's no avoiding it. Uh, you're just going to have to you're gonna have to start playing well. And that's, that's my fear here is we're just going full health, zero continuity, zero chemistry, zero building anything learning from any of these games really uh, you watch these games back and there's just nothing really to learn our coverages are so simple are very relaxed are very health conscious trying to get ad to just be able to relax and roam on defense to a point where he doesn't have to really go uh, go too hard but yeah i guess that's my sum up here sorry it's kind of late <laughs> jason no you're good uh, i mean look if the lakers end up in a play-in game you should pick the lakers the lakers are the smart bet i mean they're the they're a championship caliber team that is low in the standings because of other circumstances and the other teams that are going to be in the play-in, which are most likely going to be the Memphis Grizzlies, the uh, Golden State Warriors, and, and either the Spurs or Pelicans. You're going to be smart to pick the Lakers in those matchups. Don't get me wrong, because those are extremely flawed basketball teams that are not championship contenders. So I, I hear where you're coming from in the sense that you know, you like that the Lakers would probably beat up Golden State. They would kill them on the inside. They would devote an enormous amount of attention to Steph, and they've had success against Steph, with exception of choking a late fourth quarter lead. And and I, and I hear you on all of that. It's just that in a one game sample of any NBA basketball, anything can happen. And if and I I personally think the upside of avoiding that. Uh, is 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 better. Or I should say the downside of having to potentially deal with the Clippers in a first-round seven-gamer I think is is better than the downside of potentially having to deal with, you know, a game of Russian roulette in the play-in. You know what I mean? And that's what it is. Like, you're probably going to be fine, but you might blow your brains out. You know, so, like, <laughs> that, that, so that's kind of that's where I'm at with the play-in. Appreciate yeah, appreciate. I think those are all valid points. Um, not to cut you off, Rob, sorry. But, uh, no, um, you're good. Yeah, I just think, like, healthy LeBron, healthy AD, one of the best duos I've ever seen in my life. I just feel like if that's there, there really shouldn't be much, like, else to talk about. Yep, that's what they're that's what they're betting on. And so uh, hopefully they're right. Um, and that if you have healthy LeBron and AD, you still have a bunch of people who pick them, and uh, they should be fine. But there's just stuff that they still need to work on. Edge, uh, I appreciate you coming on, man. Thanks, man. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Love the, love the spaces. Appreciate, appreciate it, man. It, man. All right, last last one. Uh, my guy, uh, Golden Knight. What's going on? Let's see if it connects. What up, fam? Can you hear me? What's going on, man? How's, How's it going? going? What is up, Jason Raj? What up, guys? Man, you guys are doing an incredible job tonight. Thank you. I appreciate, I appreciate it, it. Thank you. All right, so I got a two part question here. So first of all, I mean, I think it would be interesting. You know, we've seen LeBron James at a, you know, a game seven high stakes game. Uh, we've never seen LeBron James at a playing game with high stakes. I mean, I'm pretty interested in, you know, what that's going to look like. Um, but let's go past that. Let's say for whatever reason, you know, we do win the playing games. Um, all right. So this is a question for both of you. I want to know who is your preferred matchup between the Clippers 
Suns, and the Jazz. All right. And second part question is the big question that everybody's asking. What would be your big man rotation with that? You know, as far as Harold, as far as Mark, as far as, uh, you know, putting in, uh, you know, AD at the five, maybe, uh, you know, using Drummond. So who would you rather face out of those three? And what players would you use as far as the big man role goes? So I, so we've never, I've actually thought about this a little bit in the last few days. You're right. We've never seen LeBron in a, in a, in a winner take all type of game in the sense that it's a single elimination format. Uh, we have seen LeBron in a lot of game sevens though, yeah. um, which while they're not the same in terms of the chess match, they are the same in the form of the pressure. Um, so I'm not worried about, about the pressure. What, what would get the Lakers beat in a play in game is horrible shooting from the role players and excellent shooting from their opponent. That would be what gets them beat. And and the reason why I think that should scare people is because that's some of that is out of your control. Uh, yeah. So some of that is just kind of the nature of the way the ball bounces in the NBA. So like, if you can avoid that, I think you should. That said, you, like I said before, you should, you should pick the Lakers. As far as those three teams that the Suns, Jazz and the, the Clippers, I think they should uh, hope to face the Jazz. Uh, I think the Clippers are the team most well-equipped to beat the Lakers. And as I've said many times, I, th- I think the I think the Suns are are significantly better than the Jazz, and they're much more built for a playoff environment. They've got a point guard with a ton of playoff experience. They've got a, an elite three level scorer, which is something that's an extremely valuable thing in a playoff series. They've got lots of defensive wings, and Jay Crowder and Mikael Bridges, and even Cam Johnson's a halfway decent uh, defensive wing. And, and then DeAndre Ayton, you know, is is certainly going to be a presence. He's not as good as as the Laker front court, but he's going to be a presence. And that's not to say that I wouldn't pick the Lakers in the matchup. I would, I just find them less intimidating in a playoff series for the chess match uh, than what the Lakers could do to the jazz. I, I think the jazz have a severe lack of wing defense uh, between Royce O'Neal and, and Boyan Bogdanovich to deal with LeBron yeah. and AD. And uh, they have, they have the cure for uh, Rudy Gobert with two centers that can shoot threes. Um, and then quite frankly, when it comes to close games, I think Donovan Mitchell has a little bit of the Russell Westbrook-itis in the sense that he just has a tendency to go out guns blazing, which isn't necessarily the best decisions to make in crunch time. And, and I usually would – I would pick LeBron making decisions at the end of games over Donovan Mitchell uh, you know, in a seven-game series all, 100% of the time. So I, I think the Lakers would win that matchup uh, uh, relatively easily. Uh, even in a weakened state. So the Jazz would be your best bet. So that would require them to lose to the Warriors in the first playoff play-in game <laughs> and then and then to beat the winner of uh, Memphis and whoever wins the the uh, uh, Pelican-Spurs race. So would, you, would your big man rotation then it be just Harrell and, I mean, Gasol? And, if, we're up to, the- if we're up to me, it would be AD and Marc Gasol is the only two fives that play. Okay, yeah. See, that's I would rather play the Suns. Like I know the Suns are really good. Just I feel like this is their peak, though. I said a little bit earlier. I feel like they peak kind of who they are. I don't see another mm-hmm. level that they'll get to. I think the Lakers have the best guard defenders in the league. Like I love Caruso, Schroeder, um, the KCP, all like chasing around Devin Booker, Chris Paul. And I think the Suns are still kind of young. Like DeAndre Ayton, I just don't think will. I think he'll be really good. I just don't think he's ready for like that kind of playoff matchup against a guy like AD if he's gonna play the five. Um, and again, like we see what happens to like Chris Paul teams, teams start to switch, big are able to get into them. And 
I just know if Chris Paul and Devin Booker are going to be able to hit that mid-range kind of jumper to a level that will uh, get them four wins on the Lakers. So I would, I would pick the Suns. I think it's close, though. I don't think there's no easy matchup there. And uh, mm-hmm. I think Trez can I think Trez can kind of play against Phoenix, right? They play Dario Saric as their backup yep. five a lot. Like, I think Trez can get minutes there. Um, Gasol as well against Aiton. And uh, I don't know if Drummond can play. That depends how he's playing, honestly. Um, but <laughs> I, I would hope AD would be at the five in those lineups. So I, I would rather play Phoenix, but there's no, like, easy game there. Especially if you're in the play-in, you got to play that game to win. And then you have to play a tough series against a tough West team. But I would rather play Phoenix, uh, to be honest. Yeah, Raj, to your point, I mean, that's the thing is a lot of people talk Phoenix and they, they mention experience. But if you look all around, I mean, Chris Paul's the one that does have the experience. I mean, you're looking does, at Devin Booker, yeah. you're looking at Aiton. They don't really have that playoff or, you know, high stakes experience yet, you know. But um, that that's the only thing that makes me want to play Phoenix a little bit more is I know Chris Paul can be dangerous, but the other guys don't really have it. I mean, Jay Crowder, yeah, he was in the finals. Uh, but as far as everything else as a whole unit, I feel like we can, you know, handle Phoenix a little bit easier than we can handle the other teams. Uh, Utah's kind of been in the playoffs a little bit already, gone to that game seven with Denver. So I, I know they have a chip on their shoulder. So it can be tough. I would choose Phoenix myself. But yeah, man, I feel like uh, overall we do got to use Mark a little bit more. Vogel's got to, you know, get out of the politics. You know, if you have to sit drum in some games, you have to sit them. Um, you know, that's my take. And I appreciate you guys for letting me on. I'm kind of the opposite of Jim Hill here, asking last question instead of first. <laughs> but I appreciate you guys, man. You guys are killing it. Thanks, man. I appreciate the kind words. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. Uh, and Hi, Raj. That, uh, it's bedtime, that, man. <laughs> yeah, we've been going a while here. Appreciate everyone that came and uh, requested to speak and came up. Uh, hopefully that helped anyone here that kind of got stuff off their chest and was able to, to, um, to talk it out. So, yeah, thanks. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, Jason. Yeah, and, and I will I will take the time. I've been waiting until the mornings usually because I've been so tired, but I'll, I'll take the time to get the pod up tonight so that you guys can listen to it whenever you wake up tomorrow morning. Yep, appreciate it, everyone. Thank you. Thanks, guys.